This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Senate Rules Committee celebrates the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision by approving a bill forcing minor girls to get permission from their parents if they want an abortion. Meanwhile, the House of Representatives votes to terminate the Constitution Revision Commission. A bill to overturn the ban on chemical sunscreens adopted by the city of Key West makes its first appearance on the Senate floor. We'll hear from a man who spent 43 years in prison, including death row, for a crime he did not commit. We'll also check out your calendar of events and bring you the latest news on Florida Man, the law enforcement edition. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, January 23rd. On the 47th anniversary of the landmark abortion rights decision known as Roe v. Wade, the Rules Committee in the Florida Senate approves a bill to clamp down on abortion rights. Senator Kelly Stargell's bill requires women under the age of 18 to get parental permission if they want an abortion. The difference between what we have today, which is parental notice, which has been working and as has been pointed out, is very similar to parental consent. The subtle difference is consent involves the parent in the conversation of coming up to a decision of what is the best thing to do and that they would agree upon that and consent on that. I think it's huge with regards to a parent-child relationship to include that parent. Having been through an unplanned pregnancy as a child and knowing what my visions and thoughts were with how my parents would react, I was completely shocked with the way they actually reacted. And I think that's true oftentimes when you're talking about parent-child relationships. I think this bill encourages the parent to be a participant in the decision-making process of this child, knowing that they're going to be a participant in the outcome whichever way that child decides to go. Stargell was one of nine Republicans on the Rules Committee who voted yes. Senator Lauren Book was one of seven Democrats who voted no. I think that this can be very dangerous, and there are unintended consequences that will come from a measure such as this. When we were sitting in health policy, one speaker said, boys should just keep their zippers up and girls should just keep their skirts down. It is just not that simple. It is not that easy. And what we are doing here is trying to legislate a family unit. We know that two-thirds of young girls will already include their parents in this decision-making process. The judicial waiver process is one that is complicated, complex, making young girls feel afraid and nervous to engage with it, making them wait longer for more costly procedures and more invasive ones. I think that our young girls deserve better. The rules room was packed because this was the last Senate committee before the bill goes to the floor. Andrew Chervell is the founder and executive director of Florida Voice for the Unborn. This bill will afford the parents of a minor child the opportunity to stop the abortion of their grandchild. We need to save as many unborn lives as possible while we are living under this evil regime called Roe v. Wade, whose anniversary, 47th tragic anniversary, is today. I vote. I urge you all to vote yes today on SB 404. Thank you very much. Madeline Brazine is a Tallahassee attorney working with the Center for Reproductive Rights, and she says this bill violates the 1989 TW decision, which is often described as Florida's version of Roe v. Wade. We urge you to vote no on SB 404 because it's harmful, discriminatory, and likely unconstitutional under the Florida Constitution. Our state constitution contains one of the strongest privacy protections in the country. In two separate cases addressing forced parental involvement, the Florida Supreme Court has held that the state did not meet its high burden to justify statutes requiring parental involvement in a young person's abortion decision. This bill goes further and requires parental consent. This raises serious concerns given the intense scrutiny required under the state constitution for laws implicating a fundamental right. 
As a Floridian, I urge you to advance policies that will promote health and safety instead of restrictions that do just the opposite. To me, abortion access means hope. I cannot imagine anything more destructive to a family or to an individual as a human being than being forced to carry a pregnancy to term against their will. Anthony Verdugo with the Christian Family Coalition believes that parental consent bill can survive a court challenge. In fact, backers of the bill see this as an opportunity to overturn TW because the Florida Supreme Court is now packed with conservative justices. 21 states have already approved parental consent. It is constitutional because it contains the proper provision, which in this case would be the judicial waiver uh, for the minor child. It also respects her privacy in regards to public records requests. Uh, minors need the guidance and the wisdom of their parents when they become pregnant. They are vulnerable and scared. This is the time where the government should never stand in the way of that child and her father and her mother. Uh, that is a private decision that they have to make amongst themselves. And the message that we're sending here is that parents matter, that families matter, and that deliberation is important in this sensitive case. This is a decision that has to be taken very seriously. Supporters of the parental consent bill insist it will protect young women and strengthen the family by forcing everyone to be involved in any decision about abortion. But University of Colorado sociology professor Amanda Stevenson says that's not how it works in the real world. Research tells us that most young people already involve their parents in pregnancy decision-making, whether or not the law requires it. But in my team's research, we have found evidence that when minors fear abuse or abandonment, if they tell their parents about their pregnancies, that fear is well-founded. We have found that when teens seek a judicial waiver or bypass of parental consent, the process of doing so can be both traumatizing and extremely frightening. We have also found that making parental involvement laws stricter increases the number of teens who experience a judicial veto of their abortion decision. High-quality, peer-reviewed evidence tells us that being denied a wanted abortion is associated with worse socioeconomic, physical health, and psychological outcomes. The parental consent bill should reach the Senate floor next week. Senate President Bill Galvano says the plan is to vote on the bill the week after next. A few hours after that vote in the Rules Committee, the hallway between the House and Senate was packed with people celebrating the Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion nationwide. Senator Lori Berman says it was a turning point in America. Forty-seven years ago today, the United States Supreme Court recognized a woman's right to privacy, included her reproductive choices. In 1980, the Florida Constitution was amended to include a very strong right to privacy, which states, Every natural person has the right to be let alone and free from governmental intrusion into the person's private life. Despite these strong state and federal protections, the Republican-led House and Senate have advanced Senate Bill 404, a bill which requires parental consent for abortions, which was previously deemed unconstitutional under our Florida privacy laws. Reproductive choices are not made lightly, and when faced with a serious decision, our minors turn to those they can trust. If that does not include their parents or guardians, it's likely for a significant reason. Our young people do not need a judge. They need support and access. This current legislation hurts those already facing obstacles to get the care they need. These attacks on women's ability to make choices about their own personal health care decisions are invasive and unconstitutional. The right to end a pregnancy is a private personal choice that should be decided between a woman, 
her family, her doctors, and not her legislator. Laura Hernandez with Planned Parenthood of Florida says politicians in Washington and Tallahassee are doing their best to undermine reproductive rights. For 47 years, Roe v. Wade has protected reproductive rights in our country. But today, those protections are threatened like never before. Every year, politicians here in Florida attempt to make abortion harder to access, especially for people with low incomes, young people, and people of color. Just this morning, the Senate Rules Committee passed Senate Bill 404, the Forced Parental Consent for Abortion Bill. This legislation promotes the false idea that young people are not responsible enough to make decisions about their own bodies, but they're responsible enough to become parents. If upheld in court, this bill would overturn Florida's version of Roe v. Wade. But let me be clear, we will not stand idly by while our constitutional rights to bodily autonomy are stripped away. As we mark the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, it is more important than ever that abortion remains a safe and legal medical procedure for a woman to consider if or when she needs it. The truth is that abortion is a critical component, not only of women's health care, but of our ability to lead free and fulfilling lives with dignity and autonomy. Representative Amy Mercado says Roe v. Wade kicked government out of people's sex lives and politicians across the country are now trying to worm their way back in. Having the government in our private lives is unacceptable. We must continue our fights for reproductive rights, but we must continue our fight for reproductive justice. Reproductive justice includes choice as well as the right to have children and to raise them in safe, healthy, and supportive environments. Many women of color cannot afford the cost of traveling hundreds of miles to the nearest clinic. Many do not have the means to pay for the care. There is no choice where there is no access. I believe that all women should have the freedom to make the personal decisions about family and childbearing, including the decision to terminate a pregnancy if they choose to. Government should not control decisions about family and childbearing or force anyone to bear a child against their will. Such government action is, a, is simply inhumane, immoral, and out of their reach. Opponents of legal abortion call themselves pro-life, but Stephanie Pinheiro with the Florida Access Network says there's more to it than that. I ask legislators, if you are pro-life, like you allege, um, please protect our young people from being gunned down at their schools. Pass comprehensive sex education. Um, ensure that we can have access to health care. Um, have affordable housing. Um, that's what being pro-life is. That's what being pro-family is. Opponents of the Roe v. Wade decision also took note of the anniversary, but they didn't have a big rally. Truth is, you don't need one when you're winning. Florida's Constitution Revision Commission may be history. The Florida House of Representatives has approved two bills to eliminate the CRC. One abolishes the commission outright, the other removes all traces of it from statute books. Last year, the Senate voted to kill the commission, but the bill died in the House. This time around, the House is sending a message. Senator Rob Bradley's proposal to overturn the Key West law that bans chemical-based sunscreens that could damage coral reefs is the very first bill to reach the Senate floor during the session of 2020. Senators, Florida is the sunshine state. Many of our fellow Floridians and some of us work outside all the time, and certainly all of us spend a lot of time outside with recreation or hanging out with our kids uh, outside or family. And certainly people who travel to Florida come here to spend time or the Sunshine State. Unfortunately, some local governments have considered banning certain types of sunscreen, and Key West actually has done this. 
Because sun is such an important part of our daily life and the, and the experiences of those who visit our state, one of the unfortunate and often tragic side effects of that way of life is that Florida ranks second in the nation when it comes to the highest rates of new melanoma cases. Sunscreen is the first defense against melanoma. And there's a lot of talk about science when we deal with this bill. Dermatologists tell us that the science is settled, that the first line of defense against sunscreen, I mean against uh, melanoma is sunscreen. It's critical to making sure that our skin health is preserved. Because I grew up in Florida and I'm a Florida native, I had to get some spots removed from my face. And I know I've talked to many of my colleagues as this bill has gone through the process, and that's just part of life in Florida. Uh, and sunscreen is critical to making sure that we all protect ourselves and protect our family and our children. We need to encourage the use of sunscreen, not discourage it. We need to send a clear and unified message as a state that we support the use of sunscreen and we want people who visit us and people who live here to use it. This bill preempts local governments from interfering with that message. The bill was on second reading, so there was no vote yet. That happens on third reading. The plan is to pass the bill at the next floor session, which is next Wednesday. Next up on Sunrise, you'll hear from Clifford Williams, who spent more than four decades on Florida's death row before being exonerated. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. The Florida Hospital Association is inviting healthcare leaders from around the state for Hospital Day in the Legislature in Tallahassee on February 3rd and 4th. The summit will include a briefing in the chamber of the Florida House of Representatives, as well as provide meeting opportunities with key legislators. Members may register online at the Florida Hospital Association site at FHA.org. Again, please register at FHA.org. Back in 1976, 34-year-old Clifford Williams and his nephew, 18-year-old Hubert Myers, were convicted of murder, attempted murder, and burglary. They had alibis, they had witnesses, but both men ended up in prison for 43 years. They were released last year after the Innocence Project and the state attorney's office reviewed the convictions and concluded it was a miscarriage of justice. Now, Representative Kim Daniels says the state owes a debt to Clifford Williams. She wants the state to pay $2,150,000. That's $50,000 for each of the 43 years he was wrongfully incarcerated. In 1976, Mr. Williams was unjustly incarcerated and served 43 years in the Florida state prison system. How much can you give a man for taking away 43 years of his life? How many dollars can replace the pain, the grief, and the torment he endured being a, an innocent man behind bars? There is no way that House Bill 6507 can make up for the birthdays and the holidays and the special moments that Mr. Williams missed with his family and friends over these years. Williams and Myers always insisted they were innocent. The nephew even rejected a plea deal that would have allowed him to get out in just five years if he testified against his uncle. Williams says he survived 43 years of being locked up for someone else's crime by placing his trust in God. You know, <laughs> it's been a long struggle, but God took and brought it to a head. And I thank God for keeping us from dying in that prison, 43 years sitting on death row and running back 
trying to get something dead in the coat until the Innocent Project took and started that and got up all gathered the evidence and everything on me and Nathan Mouth. They even went as far as trying to pay him when I went to death row to lie, but yet and still, he was man enough to say, no, it ain't gonna happen. He didn't do nothing and I ain't did nothing, you know? But we thank God, though they kept us separated 43 years and everything, and he over in something, I'm over in, in death row, but I thank God that he done delivered us. And a week ago, the Wednesday gone, we beat the bell over there at uh, Shane. And I'm prostrate counselor free. And I thank God for it. Amen. But I always was a man that believed God is real, God is good. And I just trusted God for them 43 years. Did you ever ask him to hurry up? <laughs> yeah, but we can't rush him. <laughs> he got his time. I want to ask him to hurry up, you know, for old man, he didn't want to do nothing, but yet and still, the final day, he did it. God did it. He brought us out that courthouse. Then I get got prostrate counsel. They healed that a week ago Wednesday, and I thank God for all He did. Amen. Amen. Oddly enough, Williams says his fight with prostate cancer was even scarier than the thought of going to the electric chair. But he did beat death twice. Your calendar of events, well, Thursday is Budget Day in the legislature. The Senate Appropriations Committee meets at 10, and two House Appropriations subcommittees meet at 2.30. At 9, the Visit Florida Board of Directors will take up issues like a strategic plan and simple survival. The Tourism Marketing Agency will be shut down if lawmakers don't pass a bill this session to keep it in business. The Florida Supreme Court is scheduled to release its weekly opinions at 11. The Governing Board of the Northwest Florida Water Management District meets at 1 at the Jackson County Commission Chambers in Mariana. The Joint Select Committee on Collective Bargaining is holding a public hearing on issues at impasse with state workers. That's at 2.30. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission's Harmful Algae Bloom Task Force meets in Pinellas County at 3.30. That's at the Fish and Wildlife Research Institute in St. Pete. The Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services Medical Cannabis Advisory Committee is holding a conference call at 4 this afternoon. And the Florida Department of Transportation will hold a meeting on the design of a Suncoast Parkway Phase 2 project in Citrus County. That starts at 4 at the National Guard Armory in Crystal River. And it's time now for our regular update on Florida Man, who has, shall we say, police problems. 
The Hispanic police captain who told Miami City Commissioners last week that he was not Hispanic and was in fact a black man has been suspended indefinitely without pay. Captain Javier Ortiz is the past president of the city's police union, also claimed he was black twice before when he took exams for promotion. The chairman of the Miami chapter of the NAACP has called for his firing. And a Florida man is accused of offering an undercover cop in St. Petersburg a hamburger in exchange for oral sex. The arrest affidavit for 57-year-old Frank Capone of Pinellas Park says he propositioned a female officer he thought was a hooker and was arrested on a prostitution charge. The affidavit did not give any details about the sort of hamburger he was offering, but you got to wonder why he didn't offer fries on the side. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.